Please note, the following has been produced entirely as a parody. Nothing we're about to say is actually true, especially the things we say that are true. Hey, Rick, the Burman, how you doing? Hey, if it isn't Brandon Braga, my favorite co-producer of Star Trek. Well, I'm not having a great day, pal. Well, you know what? We have to sit down and co-write another episode of Enterprise. But before we get to it, uh, what's on your mind, Rick? You're looking a little glum, chum. Well, Brandon, the truth is, me and the missus, we're having a bad time of it. Oh. Yeah, she caught me having sex with an alligator. And apparently, that's not okay. And here I would have thought it would have been all the pictures of Jerry Ryan and Jolene Blaylock covering your office that you beat off too furiously. No, no, it's because I like to fuck alligators. Gosh, it, I'm surprised she's okay with you lusting, clearly lusting after other women. I know my uh, my wife was not okay with that, but so what's going on? Well, if I'm going to get a good divorce settlement here. Wow, that's serious. Yeah. I'm I'm going to have to try and find a way to lower my income. You're making a lot of money right now. That's going to be tough. It is really tough when you're in charge of Star Trek, a beloved science fiction uh, franchise. Uh, they, they pay you quite a bit to all to the merchandising. Run. I mean, have you seen the action? I mean, obviously, there's no action figures for Enterprise yet, but I'm sure they're coming. Well, uh, that's that's a tough situation and actually reminds me of a little tough situation that I've recently found myself in. Tell me, my friend, Brandon. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. Uh, turns out that George Lucas kidnapped my niece. And he said that... <sighs> dastardly villain! I know, what a Sith, right? And he said that Star Trek has just been doing too good and that he's got a little something he's been working on to put Star Wars back on the cinematic screen, but all the fierce competition, you know, Voyager was just so good. And now enterprise has been going too good. Well, Rick, he said he's going to murder my niece. If, if I don't run star Trek into the ground and I wanted to bring it up to you, but now it sounds like we're both kind of in the same predicament. We are. It turns out both of us have a desperate and exigent need to somehow destroy the storied franchise that we are stewards of. This money-making machine. With 40 years of continuity and inertia behind it. What could we come up with, though? We we have just one episode to write to tank this entire uh, pop culture phenomenon so completely into the dirt that nothing, nothing at all could possibly ever survive. What could we do that would be bad enough to result in a creative thermonuclear reaction? I mean, I've already been dragging my feet through the past few scripts. I don't know if you've <laughs> noticed or not. But well, you've been dealing with kidnappers. That makes sense. Well, yeah. And uh, I'm sure, you know, your pending domestic Armageddon uh, may have been putting the dampers on some of the, the the pieces that you've been turning in, but... Yeah, I mean, when you're trying to fuck alligators all day, you cannot write good. Well, I think we know what we need to do here. Uh, remember that script that we absolutely said we would never do? Oh, yeah, that was the script that was so bad, I put it in a picture frame and hung it on a wall with a plaque that says, this is the worst script ever made, and if anyone ever tries to make it, 
that person has clearly lost their minds. Well, what I'm thinking is we get that. And I have a dear family friend who I owe many, many favors to. And he has a family member in his nuclear family who took one acting lesson at a community college. He's been hassling me for a while to get her in a show. So I'm thinking we take her and we take that script and we call it Precious Cargo. So you're telling me that you want to get a Deathstalker 2 level bad actress take our worst script that has ever been produced by humanity as a whole and combine them. And that might be enough to destroy my income and rescue your niece. And I'm going to tell you what else. Uh, Last week, the guy who plays Trip looked me in the eye. Can you believe the nerve? Let's make sure he has to sit through this too so he drags his own career down with it. Absolutely. He'll spend the next 20 years living it down. (laughs) He might even have to end up on... I don't know, some sort of internet radio show to try and uh, get some sort of some some advertising revenue. We're just we'll run everything into the ground. It'll be a great time. Well, my good friend, Brandon, let's get to work. We have the worst thing ever to be created to make. Yeah, take that, UPN. Thanking my lucky stars for Top Chef. It's Vidra, please. A heinous trip at Warp 5. My name is Joseph. I'm your co-host, Peter. We have a lot to talk about. Before we do that, I do want to shout out the Trauma Support Group. We talk about the Vidra, please, Trauma Support Group because uh, it is our refuge for our most active fans. And we do love that we have a lot of people who are there. And we love our posts. Some people are just there for the ride and they just kind of check in now and then they're reading, but they're not interacting. That's cool. We're a hundred percent behind that too. But some folks, you know, they're uh, constant contributors and they're celebrating this week and they're celebrating because they, they successfully bullied you. Yeah. They've claimed yeah. victory by getting you to watch for all mankind. Well, that's gone on pause because uh, my wife hasn't been clicking for it. She, she's not into the, the <sighs> space race politics, and we branched uh, off to watch this preferial thing, which I'm bailing on. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a shame she couldn't stick with it. It is thick. I've, I've noticed I that. I think we're going to. I'm going back. To, I'll be going back to it. Whether or not she joins me, I don't know. Uh, we'll see what happens. But. Well, if you want to bully Peter into watching other shows or uh, otherwise enjoy a really good fan group for this podcast, uh, we're, it's on Facebook, which I know who wants to use that. But do you really want to be on Twitter these days? I mean, it might be some time to come back. And uh, it's a closed group, the Vija Please Trauma Support Group. We have it closed so that your aunt doesn't randomly see your posts there. We respect your privacy. But this just means that the people that are there, we're vibing, we're jamming, we're chilling, and you should come join us. And you can hit us up on, on Twitter at VJPlease or at uh, please at gmail.com if you want to ask uh, how to get access. And we also have a Discord. Happy to provide that 
uh, link whenever. So just hit me up. We even occasionally check in there. We do. Remember I, I've actually been trying to use the Discord more often and chat with people there. I'm bad at using it just because work doesn't let me really do so. But um, I do enjoy having developed that finally into something <laughs> where people t- hang out. The easy part's over now, Peter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Season two, episode 11. Precious cargo. So I go to sit down and watch this thing, and I knew that you thought it was going to be bad. And I always try to give these things a fair shake. But my wife comes down and sits in the the, the Trek cave with me while uh, the kids are upstairs. And I don't say anything to her, right? I know you weren't going to like it. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to sit there and watch this. And without saying or groaning or rolling my eyes or anything to indicate that I was not feeling it, boy, did she have some things to say about this lady. So let's start with the elephant in the room. Okay, so this episode has a relatively famous person guest star. Is she from what? So Padma Lakshmi is a Indian model that ultimately found tremendous Normi fame as the co-host of Top Chef, a big reality program. So one of the actually kind of like OG of like the new wave reality programs that are skill-based contestant things. Is this a David Zaslov creation? I'm not sure who the creator is, but this was a forerunner of that. Yeah, it was like a, it was very well watched because it was like a weird, you know, sort of uh, the real world meets, you know, you know, chef competition. Does she have like charisma when she's unscripted a little, a little bit. I'll say that like when she's not trying to act like someone who's not herself, she's a little bit better, Uh, but she's a presenter there. She doesn't need, she's supposed to be a bit kind of just wooden person. She's not supposed to have a personality, so it doesn't matter. You know, she's just pretty person that talks is serves as a, basically a narrator on, on occasions by telling talking about what's happening. You know, she is, she became very famous in that role because that show was really well watched and she's an attractive looking woman. So people notice that what she is not is an actor. And this, this is why. Well, someone should have keyed uh, Rick Berman and Bran Braga in on this way back in December 11th, 2002, when uh, David Livingston as the director Put this out onto TV like there had to be some sort of a favor that got called in to make this happen. Like watching. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. My assumption was that this was like uh, Voyager when the crown prince of wherever got to come in as like background science guy. Yeah. The king of Jordan, King Hussein. Yeah. And that this was like famous royalty somewhere else that. Yeah, you're expecting to read that she is the, you know, crown princess of a place you've never heard of. Like, that's the only excuse for this. Or that she won a contest or has, like, (laughs) really good blackmail on someone high up at UPN. She was a model and then tried to transition to being on screen. And this this was this was the first attempt. I'm going to say it does not go well. I did not think she was rancid. I don't think that uh, she was out of her way to be offensive in scenes to me. 
I just think that she did not have the acting skill and certainly the script did not do her any favors. And, and you know, we come across these really bad episodes uh, where there is a key problem person. And I try to imagine what somebody with uh, with the acting talent, like would they have been able to get in there and actually make this thing work? And I think at the end of the day, this was a shit script with a lot of lines that went to an actor that uh, was was not the best. And just the entire end result was a bad time for everybody involved. That's the charitable view. This wasn't a good product to begin with. And then you add this element of someone who has no ability whatsoever and they have to carry it because they're the centerpiece guest star. You, you, you have no consequence, but to produce this, I will say in the, in the memory alpha, they are, very unkind to the existence of this episode. It is, how did this get aired? How could this just not get flushed down the toilet? Yes, here it is. So in the reception, even from the time of its origins, uh, this episode provoked disappointment from the producers of Star Trek Enterprise. Uh, Quote, they were pretty much ready to fire me. David uh, A. Goodman recalled about their reaction to the episode script, uh, thinking he himself did not manage to do a, quote, very good job of writing the episode. Brandon Bragg even asked Rick Berman if there was a way not to have the episode broadcast. Uh, thanks to Bragg, Goodman remained on the series, contributing to the writing of some later episodes. Do you recognize David Goodman as a uh, creative force in Star Trek? It's not a name I remember. Because what I was reading in Memory Alpha made it seem like, again, that he would go on to have uh, more stuff to do. And I don't know if it, like he turns into the later two seasons to like really be a gold mine the way that... Uh, like uh, what's his face came up through Voyager towards the end and really did some good stuff. Oh, uh, Brian um, Fuller Fuller. Yeah. The brand in 2013, Brandon, Bra- uh, Brandon Braga stated that he considers precious cargo to be one of the worst Star Trek episodes ever. I can't agree with that. And though David A. Goodman does take full responsibility for the end result of his initial script, he laughed. I'm very proud of the fact I've written one of the most hated episodes of Star Trek ever. Let's be clear. This is, to me, a a real contender for the worst episode of Star Trek ever. This is worse than any episode of Voyager we watch. It is. It is without a doubt. It is without a doubt. Twisted was better than this because it didn't embarrass someone on it. You know? It was just bad. I'm on my five point scale, which goes from trash, bad, meh, good and great. I'm putting this as bad. I would not say that really uh, night in sick bay and marauders currently occupy my trash slots on here. If I jump back into season one, uh, you're telling me that you thought that this was worse than acquisition. Yes, absolutely not. Acquisition is close. I'll grant you that. It's close because of how kind of just weirdly casually stupid it is. It's just stupid. It's just stupid in a way that is unintelligent and unengaging. Uh, This is stupid and insulting to the person that you've put on camera for half the runtime. Personally insulting to them to allow this to be on the air. Millions of people saw this. I don't know how it is that you like... How she had a career after this, 
You know, everyone just agreed that they didn't see it, I guess. Well, nobody's watching it. I guess. Maybe that's the bailout is like, oh, no, anybody that's those watching fucking shows that no one even noticed. You think anybody watching Top Chef was fucking sticking around for Star Trek Enterprise? Uh, season two, episode 11. Like, again, I'm surprised there's any audience whatsoever for the show at this point. Because, again, season one, strong. Season two has just fucking completely tanked. And and I would have been gone at this point if I was a Star Trek fan who had started this uh, following where Voyager ended. So this episode's going to pick up with uh, Trip kicking back in his quarters, boot up on the table, going to town on a fucking harmonica. And already I'm just like, no. <laughs> this is the highlight of the episode is that Florida man <laughs> sits in his quarters and plays the harmonica like a demon. It's like, all right, if only they rolled credits. <laughs> like, vast <laughs> improvement. Done. I'm thinking about what you just said with uh, Berman and Braga shitting all over the episode that, like, they this is their story credit. Yeah. I need to know. I need something where they're going to shine light on what the teleplay process is exactly for Voyager. If anybody out there has any insight on this whatsoever, I would love to know. What did Berman and Braga exactly come up with here? Because, it, it, and, and back to like the money, is there money involved in coming up with the story? Because for them to be as critical of this episode as they are, while having story credits... Was it a post-it note? And it says, because this is superficial, like uh, if I feel like a very accessible and, and overly used concept. Uh, surprise kidnapping victim that the good guy falls in love with and saves from harm's way. Right. Like that's right. like a, very, very basic plot outline here. This doesn't this isn't Star Trek, right? This this could have been fucking this could, person of interest. This could be a, a random episode of any television's pro- program ever. Night like, Rider. Everyone does this one. We we wrap up the exciting pre-credits uh, harmonica performance as Trip gets pulled out of uh, his his night off because there has been a distress signal, and unlike the rest of the Alpha Quadrant, Enterprise actually flies in to help people instead of just saying, "Yeah, oh, what you need some help." Yeah, there's a fucking space truck stop up the street that'll just steal part of your crew's payment, but they'll fix you up real nice. And they've got transporters and um, or or and, and, just warp the other direction. <laughs> like there's <laughs> trouble over that way. Good. Uh, good luck. I'm going to go the other direction as fast as I possibly can because space frightens me. Mm-hmm. But no, no. Enterprise goes to help and they meet two guys. These are the lowest stakes villains in a long time. They are dressed in what looks like some Goodwill finds uh, that was located over in the Cleveland Bromar part of space. Right. Like literal leftovers in the costume department. Just put them on. Uh, what what species of alien are they? are ri- they have ridges. They have lots of ridges. And they're dirty. They need yeah, a shower. They're, they're, they're dirty and they have ridges. Okay. Got it. Gen- generic alien dudes who are like, hey, we have a garbage truck and we also are transporting a person. But our person transporter who is in cryostasis is is waking. Uh, please fix Uwu. 
And they're like, yeah, sure. Uh, we have a Florida man. who will come over. He'll take a quick pop the hood, you know, check, check your spark plugs for you. And uh, why don't you come over and like have a, a bath and some food, man? You know, it's like pilot, you know, they kind of got everything there. I liked the framing that they used where the, the, the bad guys, whatever the fuck their name is. I, I, I don't Do know anybody. No, they don't. Uh, yeah. Dickhead one and dickhead two, who I think if there's any point that the script really failed, it was with framing these guys. Uh, but they're like, hey, listen, uh, we're transporting her. She, it, it's a long journey. She wanted to be in cryosleep or was supposed to be in cryosleep. Uh, this person cannot wake up from cryosleep because we have limited rations and we cannot support three people on the journey. We're, on. We're, we're supposed to be cargo haulers. We're designed around this and we picked this job up. We need to get her home. And, and that's why we're asking for help. The cryostasis pod is failing. Um, and despite the fact that we should be two bad motherfuckers instead we're these bumbling fools, which again, to go back to the God, I don't even know if we were to go to uh home alone or their name, the, the wet bandits, the water the wet bandits. bandits. Yeah. I would say those guys are way more criminally, uh, um, oh, yeah. uh, dangerous than these two. So spoiler. <laughs> she's not a willing participant in this. She has been kidnapped and is in cryostasis against her will. Presumably the area that she is from is a big fucking deal. And I'm going to go on a legend, say that they have never ever uh, talked at all about this alien race in any other star Trek property. And that whatever their little star empire is that she's from, uh, this is a, this is a one and done. Hey, I don't think there's going to be a, a second episode. <laughs> I don't think there's going to be a sequel. Well, no. I mean, sometimes it's like, oh, hey, we're going to name check Andorian. That was something. Hey, you know, here's these. Right. They're uh, not guys. even going to make mention of this one. No one wants to even admit it exists. Hey, here's these assholes and they're they're running amok. Well, that's actually an original series uh, race that got eradicated by V'ger, right? Mm-hmm. Like they've been clever with this stuff before, but this seems like. I'm a big deal. What do you mean you've never heard of me? And nobody will ever hear of you ever again, because maybe V'ger wipes you guys out as well. But presumably, she's she is important, and there are a lot of people who pay respect to her or whatever. These two fucking clowns effectively kidnapped her and also murdered, if we were to believe what she's saying, murdered her guards. So there should be some level of like competence here. But everything we're going to see out of these guys throughout the episode paints them as bigger rodeo clowns than the worst portrayal of Frangi that we saw between acquisition and false prophets. I, I think that the fact we don't know anything about them somehow makes it a little less offensive than false prophets. You know, like n- knowing that they're Ferengi and they're like physically feeble, <laughs> like makes that worse that they like over suddenly overpowered some ch- young Chad, security guard and then we're able to get back to their vessel and defeat all of the security measures on the ship. Like that's what was so exceptional about that. This is just like, they're just some fucking dudes and they are just as feeble and incompetent, but I I'm less invested in who they are. I, if I were to even try to salvage this fucking episode and again, I'm identifying them as like major weak points. 
these guys can't be the kidnappers. Turn them into no. the bagmen. Uh, yeah. We are just hauling cargo. Some fucking Nausicans or some some badasses. Uh, they gave us this thing. They said, do not wake up what's in there. They said, if she wakes up, uh, it's our asses on the line. And please, we just we're hungry. We're in a bad place. We're desperate for money. If you could help us get through it, that would be great. And yeah, we'd love to have some fucking dinner with you. Right. Like that's the way to make these guys who are just everyday jack off truckers. You have to make them victims. Victims too. Right. Because and I also feel like through the episode, they're going to paint some pretty credible sympathy for the one guy who gets left behind. Like, yeah, victims of circumstance. Yeah. Like they kind of almost did go that direction with, with him. And then they went. They went a different direction. <laughs> we'll put that mildly. This is the second episode I want to know. What was the last one we just watched? Vanishing Point, which was uh, what? That was a transporter incident. Um, two before that was Singularity, where everybody goes like space madness. Both of these episodes feel like they didn't know what tone they wanted to have and how you were supposed to feel about the characters' actions. And in this one, you've got these semi-sympathetic uh, uh, dummy kidnappers in uh, singularity. It should have been played for laughs with everybody getting caught in their own little OCD hell, but neither of them really stuck the mark and you get these floundering episodes as a result. Right. All that stuff that I'm talking about, by the way, is easy to miss because yeah, front and center, you're going to have this awful main (laughs) acting element. So there's like an underlying problem with enterprise, which is, as you put, they're just like slightly off on what they're trying to pull what, pull down. You know, like the position just isn't quite right. Like the performances, they're not executing correctly. They have the routine, like singularity. Okay, this needs to be played for laughs or needs to be much more serious, right? Like this either needs to be a comedy episode where everyone's acting over the top and DePaul solves it or it has to get real dark and right. everyone has to start doing gruesome shit and then that there's stakes and there's there's tension and then that's how where we go with it. And b- instead they land right square in the middle, so there's just annoying. <laughs> that problem's here. That's problem we're identifying that problem here. And then layer on top of that a bunch of juicy meats, <laughs> you know, for your shit sandwich. And that is where you get uh Padma Lakshmi is the body, is the person that's in the cryos chamber and you're like okay that's what we're gonna do we're gonna have trip meets girl girl is kidnappy this seems like a story i've seen before in other places but i get where you're going with it hopefully we're gonna do something new and exciting right i mean we're in space whatever what could go wrong trips a charming trips charming guys my favorite part of the show let's let's i'm in i'm in for him having a charming adventure with a space lady Hoshi gets uh, exactly 15 seconds on screen where she comes over to try and translate something and uh, Barb trip and go, ooh, you're, you know, stop. I fucking popsicle girl and get back to work. And, you know, maybe maybe we can get through this awful episode. She's like, what are you talking about? And then she leaves Uh, these two. Presume again, I don't know what I'm how I'm supposed to truly feel about these guys. Jack has two. these ruthless kidnappers or these hapless fools that just, you know, got roped into this knowing that there is a kidnapped queen of wherever in their cargo hold 
with some complete fucking stranger mucking around with it. Both of these guys instead decide they're going to go to the fucking dinner table with uh, Archer and T'Pol. And then one of them has their space beeper start going off like, hmm, something's wrong. I'm going to go check on it. Comes over, finds Trip frantically trying to get uh, space space princess out of her cryo chamber because now she's running out of air. Uh, and and right as Trip opens the thing up, he busts this fool over the head with a space pipe. I'm guessing that's how they were able to topple whatever royal guard she had, is that these guys actually understand how space pipes work. Yeah, maybe that is it. Maybe that's actually the rationale that we missed, is they are ruthless because they were the first harnessers of the space pipe. Mm-hmm. Like that, that was it. I mean, they've got nothing else going for them, but they just, they realized that, that 24th century hypertech, you know, before anyone else in the timeline of Trek, I want to say now, I mean, this is really the, the, this is like the space 2001 moment where there's the monolith has come down and one monkey has grabbed the bone, the bone and he has killed it. This is the first time in Star Trek chronologically that, one character has hit the other character with a pipe. It is. This is the canonically original space pipe. And these guys were just, it was like getting the golden gun. Just one shot kills Mm -hmm. everywhere. Cause no one's ready. No one's ready for this. Man has not yet been prepared. And now they've got, they've kidnapped a space queen and they're on some jalopy. They probably stole it. They are, they are riding the very edge gripping the pipe in hand, not sure exactly what they're supposed to do. All the foolish bullshit you just said, way better than what this script is. <laughs> if these were just two clowns that stole a space car and are discovering all of this stuff, and they're just getting wrapped up in the moment, and it's just like Grand Theft Auto, like, ah, fuck it, I'm going to get a five-star warning. Like, let, that's the way I want to play the game. That right. would be so much better than whatever the fuck is actually supposed to happen here. So, uh, dickhead number one, pages the other guy and goes oh hey this is uh more involved than i thought it was can you please come and help me and the guy's like but i'm eating my spaghettios <laughs> it's like literally like now i want to finish my spaghetti yeah chef made a, a delightful chicken pad thai i really want to fit no i need your help okay i'll go down there and then archer who is able to achieve his season poo level of awfulness that we have been uh, groomed to understand him to be at this point. Yes. Goes, hmm, well, this seems odd. Let me call Trip. Interesting. Trip's not picking up his phone. And then uh, he has the bright idea that I'm going to have Reed intercept uh, Dummy 2 on his way back to the ship and, and see what's going on here. And uh, then we get treated to yet another entry into a series of bad gunfights. I mean, this is going to have it all. You, dummy one sees dummy two coming with with Reed and large man behind him. Not not small and catcher guy. He's not at that level. We'll see if large man makes another appearance in the future. And they uh, he he goes for his incredibly weak space pistol. This is like. This is the most virgin space gun I think I have ever seen. And he points it and gets a little green beam off. And we have an immediate duck and cover. Get behind low cover like you're playing uh, Gears of War. 
Let's, mm-hmm. let's go. Let's go. Oh, um, he just ran away. Got it. If I'm going to try and fix this thing as we go along, uh, have a, a little shootout, him see that he's not going to be able to win. Uh, again, if I'm supposed to believe these guys are at all vicious, have him shoot his friend trying to kill him and the guy barely lives through. And now there's like bad blood between them or something to some, something to be interesting in what's happening here. Uh, the guy gets back in his ship. The most interesting part of the entire episode happens as space hoopty peels away to go fly and escape. And in the process fucks up the docking berth. On yes. Enterprise. Yeah. So that's not like a, a bent tailpipe, which <laughs> these guys did just enough damage to your ride that it's annoying, but not enough. Do you want to call insurance? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's good. Okay. And you know, he gets, he takes off in his space jalopy and we finally start getting scenes between trip and the princess. This is Trip's when you getting- realize you have a problem. Yeah, it's a big trauma. Uh, Trip wakes up, I believe, is immediately hit again. Yes. She doesn't have a, sp- a space pipe. She has what looks like a, some sort of a double head claw hammer. Yes. Which I believe is for like pulling up carpeting. It, these things are serious. This has clue murder weapon written <laughs> all over. In fact, I want to say that's like the same thing that... Uh, uh, from the the newest Batman that the the Riddler is murdering people with. <laughs> yeah, this How is she I mean, does not instantly kill him. <laughs> the only thing worse than her acting is her melee score, right? Yeah, like she is she is physically weak as she is untalented in theater. Now here's where the episode shows mercy uh, by hiding what she is saying behind space gibberish. So for her first few lines, she's boop bop shpe do boop bop boop boop. What was that? Sim sim simonese. Yeah, simlish. 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 <laughs> and so you, you don't know, and it's because he's trying to get the universal translator the work, and they do the, the meet cute where they're communicating through gesture, and they're on the same side, and he just you know they start to build trust. That's the scene you're building here, and that okay, she's speaking in simlish, so you know the. It's hard to figure out what you're supposed to be doing. That's the point. But the thing is, good actors are still acting the words that they're supposed to be saying when you do this bit, right? They, they, the, what the actor does is they do, okay, this is what I'm actually saying in English. And I'm going to say it in this gibberish. And I'm going to get a little practice in, in how I need to be emoting because this is what I think I'm saying. And that will make it authentic to the audience. This is like the most basic acting shit. And she cannot do it. <laughs> she is incapable of that act. She just acts like a robot who is reading a cue card off stage and occasionally lifting her voice in like the fourth syllable of a sentence. I know it's a well we go too often, but the only way I can really describe the performance she's going to put on, uh, it's, it's porn acting. Not the new Gonzo stuff like back when porns had like plots and not good porn acting like the next generation porn parody, which we reviewed in our uh, Patreon. It's our first Patreon special, I believe, and uh, still our favorite episode we've ever done. This is like regular vivid. I'm saying the lines as you're taking your pants off like. 
it could probably be a lot worse, right? Uh, I don't know if it could. I think this is just... It absolutely could. Like, I don't think... I think this this is bad a performance that could have happened and you can still publish and with a straight face. Right. This is as bad as it can get for something that actually makes it on air. Correct. It, It could be worse. And maybe there'll be some scenes later on in Star Trek where I go, wow, that they, they sh- this would be fine for a one scene character uh, that was the 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 bartender at the space truck stop right. where they caught Senator Kelly. Right. Right. The fact that this is a character that will continue to deliver lines throughout the episode and is a major tent post of the episode uh, is the unforgivable part, but I'm just saying it could be worse. That this is this is porn acting 101. It is. This is sub porn acting, and uh, it does. I, I will say this before we move off, focusing on the performance. It may, makes me appreciate the quality of the standard guest actor on Star Trek so much more. Like even like these sort of like L.A. theater, like local theater guys that might have like a do an episode of star Trek. And that's kind of like their highlight. I mean, like I've never appreciated that guy more than after watching this. Like I had dude dudes. I had no idea how bad it could be. <laughs> like I didn't know what you were bringing me until I saw what else I could have. Uh, th- these initial scenes cutting to real life as I'm sitting in our, our TV room. <laughs> My wife stops whatever she's doing on her phone to look at me and see if I'm going to say anything. And I just keep my mouth shut for now. Right. And I start a tick mark at the top of the page. And I'm going to call this like the, the Casey score of her, her <laughs> being pulled out of whatever the fuck's going on to realize what's happening on the screen. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, this is like the ba- bad movie night level, bad acting. This is sub B movie. This is so bad. It's it has porn. to be seen to be believed. It's porn. Uh, and again, I'm not even counting her as really the worst part of this, right? Because like she is a shitty actor. Okay, I get it. Right? She's right. in here there because it's a favor. She's pretty. I didn't think she was like stupid beautiful, but maybe she just fits someone's type. Uh, whatever. She's bad. She does not get better. And and that is going to be something that haunts the episode. But I, I'm not laying the true shitness of this episode on her shoulders squarely. Because now we're going to cut back over to Enterprise. And fucking Archer, who is just miserable to experience. And it's because I know Scott Bakula can do better than this. And I have to assume that... God, I mean, I, again, I don't know who to blame for how bad Archer is as a character. Is it David Livingston telling him to act like this? Is this Scott Bakula reading the script and this is the way he wants to come across? Are they or is he just char- like, he doesn't like, you know, he, he's probably got a, I, he's a professional. You know, he's, he, that's common thread in all of the stuff we've read over the course of the last, you know, season and a half. This is Scott Bakula is a consummate acting professional. He's, con- you know, he's the one that's really helping keep the whole machine running on camera. You know, other the other younger actors are taking their cues from him. They are they are proceeding in a professional fashion as the actors they are. So, I mean, he's engaged. We know he's engaged, but is no is there no one that's saying 
Scott, you're not where we need you to be on this. Like you're coming off as an amateur and not a, a the kind of like empathetic wizened explorer that you want to portray yourself as. We are frequently critical of Archer. I want, I want to, I, I want to uh, set a goal for you and me. I want to identify where he actually excels as a character. What scenes do I enjoy having Archer on screen? What is Archer's sweet spot? And off the top of my head, I I can't really come up with anything. I'm like, God, I'm really glad that Archer was there to portray this thing that happened. I really like Arch the idea of Archer as extremely e- eager explorer. You know, as far as an archetype for the captain is, you know, Kirk is your wild gun. Picard is your diplomat. Uh, Janeway is a scientist. Um, Cisco is an engineer. Uh, we haven't had a captain that was, you know, l- trying to be Vasco da Gama, like trying to engage in an age of exploration on behalf of humanity. And that's his drive. And so he is curious about things. He's a sociologist. He wants to understand people like that. There's parts of that there, his eagerness. Like I want to go to this planet. I want to explore this. You know, this is something we haven't encountered yet. You know, this is why we're out here is so that humanity can be exposed to these things through us. And then we can report them back and we can build the bridges so that, you know, we join the stars in more numbers there's preparation and understanding and enlightenment. And they just like, they dip into that. So rarely you forget that's supposed to be his character. I will agree that when he is portraying a, a genuine passion and excitement into going into things and saying like, wow, I've, I've got books with this star chart. You know, that what was it? The, uh, the Vulcan, um, Cenobite episode, right? Yes. He's like, that thing we're going to map, like I've got the fucking book with it. Like that, that works well. And like the, na- his, him being naive to things, I think works well. And I think when he gets caught in situations that he did not want to be in and is victimized a little bit, like he portrays that, uh, well also. Yeah, the breaking of his um, naivety. Yeah. Could, like, it, there's a piece of that that does work. It's just that instead of just a piece of that and where it you see it, but it's never impacting his decision making, you know, where he still has total command that he portrays the command presence that you really need out of this role. And that, frankly, every other captain uh, actor succeeds in their own way of providing. They, they all understand the assignment. And they all get there. Instead of that, he comes off as a weak, bitchy, unworthy person for what he has been asked to do. Uh, presumptuous. He seems egotistical. Like all of the things. Petulant. To- petulant. Which has been a, a very frequent side of him that we've seen, unfortunately. And when they finally do improve the show dramatically they finally find their rhythm with him as well, you know, in terms of why he is worthy of his role. Okay. And it makes this even more painful where you're like, Oh, what you have to get through to get there in season two. How are we? Yeah. You know, almost 40 episodes in at this point and they still don't know what this guy is about. Yeah. 
well, how is that not on the top line? So your fucking thesis statement for your show. How is that not? The, how is that not what you've done? Take the list of things that Archer does not do well in, and let's go ahead and put interrogations at the top. Because now that there has been a low energy gunfight, both figuratively and literally on the ship, uh, Reed has brought dummy number two up to Archer, and they're going to attempt to interrogate this guy in Archer's ready room, where, to my great delight, we're going to have a angry Archer into Paul forcing this guy to sit on the <laughs> the chair, the dinner potty, <laughs> the dinner potty. It's just like, is this the third episode in a row that they've used the dinner potty? Well, I, I and I'm going to emerging. There's emerging strength behind the dinner potty. There's dinner potties in in his bedroom and in the <laughs> and in the, the ready room. So unless he has like this dinner potty is like inflatable and he's bringing it with him, like <laughs> they've put this cursed, I don't know if it's a proper set piece in two separate places, but they're like, yeah, you're going to sit where I eat and shit and we're going to play 20 questions. It's awful. The guy, this is where they really start muddying the waters and they're like, what the fuck is going on? And he's like, I, I don't know. I'm a victim. I've been left behind too. I know you want to find your crewmate that just got kidnapped. Uh, and that there's, you know, high stakes here, but I don't have any way to help you. There's nothing the script does or dummy number two's portrayal is able, able to do to like really make you think that this guy's at all cunning or that he's playing a game or that he's jerking yeah. him around. He's just like, I, he plays it completely straight as an honest, like I was accidentally an accessory to a crime. I really don't know what's going on. I'm sorry. You know, they do that. And Archer's like, golly gee willikers, if you're not willing to help us, throw him in the airlock! Well, basically he's reinforcing that on this big ship, which initially I was led to believe uh, there's no empty spaces anywhere and that every inch of this ship is occupied with something important. We find out there's actually, in fact, guest quarters, which shocker there. Uh, but more importantly, there's no brig that that was my takeaway from there's no brig. So, gee, we've who would have ever thought that we'd come across somebody who would either be antagonistic towards us or, you know, while we're doing the first deep space exploration ever that we might have crew that's naughty that needs to be punished. So oh, there's, yeah. there's there's a brig. Is there a brig? Yes. Have we been led to believe that there is a brig prior to this point? I do not believe that anyone has ever been thrown in the Enterprise Space Jail yet. So maybe they just didn't have a set piece for it. And they're like, well, where are we going to what, what can serve as the brig? Because, again, the interrogation they, in have, the have they done it? Like, I can't actually remember, like, like the Nausicaan they interrogated. I think might have been in the brig. The not did they bring the Nausicaan on the ship? I forget. I forget, like, you know, the, no, I forget the, the Nausicaan was tied up in the cargo hold of the space truck. Okay. Yeah, that's right. That's who had a Nausicaan. No, 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 no. You're uh, right. It was, gosh, I, I remember there was a Nausicaan captured in that, and I was trying to remember if it was in the brig. I don't think, I, I don't think it ever was. Onto Enterprise. Uh, space Chachi brings him in to, like, gun him down in the cargo hold. They leave him there. 
I don't. Uh, th- to my knowledge, as someone watching the show for the first time, they've never mentioned a break. So my assumption was that the airlock was being used as an impromptu holding cell because uh, we can lock the interior door and then there's an exterior door that you're not going to escape into because, you know, then you're just going to be fucking dead. Uh, it's interesting. It, I didn't think of it that way because I know that Enterprise has a brig. There are scenes in there in the future. Uh, but at this point, I guess it's never shown up. And so I just thought that was just super excessive. I just thought it was this archer just like going like, yeah, okay, well, you're not going to help. So I'm going to put you on death's door and I might execute you if it's my will to do so. Well, he <laughs> does like, say, Jesus, dude. the exterior door unlocked. And if you want to commit suicide, basically feel free to do that, uh, which did seem uncharacteristic or whatever. But- yeah. And so that's how I read it of like, whoa, you just went from like 20 miles an hour to 90. Meanwhile, the guy's sitting there like looking at Archer like, D- I'm so- I'm sorry. I I'm sorry this happened. I was just eating, I was eating spaghetti. I just yeah. wanted, wanted your spaghetti. I didn't know. I any don't even of this. know why he was. Sh- and does he actually reveal that he knew that there was a, a host that she was a hostage at that point? I don't think so. I don't I don't think so. I think he he is untainted by criminality in his talking about it. And then they're also growing like, you know, you know, you have to know something like what's the warp signature vibration frequency is like, I don't know. It's just be like someone coming to me and being like, how many horsepower is your minivan? I'll be like, dude, I have no fucking idea. What do you mean you don't know? I'm like, I'm not in charge. I'm not a fucking mechanic. I don't just drive it. I don't I need to know how it works. I don't know how much the fucking tires weigh. Who? What psycho knows? that? (laughs) I'm just a dude who fucking, you know, helps carry boxes on there. Or maybe I'm a super cunning, ruthless uh, kidnapper. We'll never know. The script doesn't really uh, give us a chance to figure that out. So now we're going to get dragged into this tedious bullshit where. Uh, Trip is not going to comply with fixing the the stasis pod as he was directed to by space bad guy. And also uh, this lady who's saying she's a big shot's like, well, you know, I've been kidnapped. They're going to ransom me off. Let's just wait it out. Everything will be fine. And Trip's like, no, I'm going to escape. And we can escape because I have not only all the fucking tools I brought here, but also after the dude knocked me out, he took nothing out of my pocket, so I still have my fucking communicator, and God knows what else. <laughs> whatever whatever bullshit I came in with that apparently you were trusting me to fix technological gizmos with, you uh, just left it all here for me, so I can just MacGyver a flamethrower and kill you. Like, just escaping was a terrible idea, Trip. You can easily overpower this man. <laughs> like, just David- take him out and drive the car back. David Goodman really liked Star Wars A New Hope. So he's like, cool, we're going to try to create some sort of like Han Solo, Princess Leia vibe here. They're going to crawl through the ducts. Uh, We don't have the budget for this one for a trash compactor. So uh, as they as he finally convinces her, like. Basically through inconvenience, like I'm going to escape, you can come with me or you can be stuck for the next five months in this cargo hold. And she's like, well, that doesn't seem fun. So I'll go with you. Uh, we're going to engineer a reason as we're jumping out of the air ducts. I can't just have your shirt fly off because we already used that gag on Hoshi. So you get the consolation prize where you're going to have to have that get her done moment where you rip your long skirt into a short skirt 
we can show you off a little bit. I'm going to guess that was uh, Rick Berman's handwriting on that poster. You know, <laughs> right in like, the margins. Like, no, have her terror dress right here so that we have an excuse to do two leg shots from, mm-hmm. from thigh all to foot. You know, like, I want, I want a clear clear leg shot right Proposed after that the note that con- that that composed the story for this that they gave david goodman was brand saying um uh trip and uh lady get escape kidnapping and then rip skirt to show off legs and fuck in the dirt <laughs> <laughs> i mean you all you know that the this shot in particular the the dress rip shot was like that was planned from the start oh yeah like we are doing this this is we're this is we're gonna highlight this this is gonna be in the trailer you know like we got we we are selling this lady's legs like it's going out of style that was the story maybe all this other stuff didn't even exist on the story idea it was uh just get get her in long skirt skirt Short has skirt. to rip skirt for short skirt. Here you go, David. Please write an episode around this. Like, what the fuck? Make <laughs> uh, sure that there's a female lead. Don't worry about it. <laughs> everything we've been told about these two space truck guys is that they are dirty and they are poor. They are covered in <laughs> dirty, filth. poor, and very hungry. Their uh, their their ship looks like garbage. Right, everything's yeah. trash. They're like, please, we want food. Please, we want a shower. So as Trip and Space Lady get into this fucking escape pod, it is spick and span, completely clean, with a fully stocked uh, emergency rations kit. Yeah, it makes no sense. <laughs> it's just like, this is an escape pod of an entirely different kind of, of vessel. This needed to have garbage in it. There, all of the supplies have long since been raided. It, it needed to be a fucking absolute garbage pile they're getting into. Like some neck beard that doesn't clean his Coke bottles out of the front seat of his car level nasty trip has disabled sensors along the way. And that's kind of a reoccurring gripe I have is that trip just seems to know. I don't know. I guess the same thing could be levied against Reed, where they're able to just quickly identify what's what on alien technology with no previous interactions with this technology. There is a space standard of what's what, right? There's all these industrial what I'm led to believe is industrial standards. Like this is the industrial standard. Uh, I'm sorry, the industry standard docking thing. Um, There's a, there out. is well, one way to do this that spacefaring civilizations have figured but out. Everybody, how to do. Nothing actually has seemed alien or extraordinary in enterprise other than the race with their organic ship that got uh trip pregnant with the hand nipple. Right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That was the stuff that seemed way out of, Way out of depth, which I think there should be a lot more of, especially here before the Federation has been there to like normalize technology in the Alpha Quadrant, whatever. Uh, they disable the sensors, trip triggers a uh, escape pod in warp. Apparently, this thing drops out and and now they're on their way scouting for um a planet to land on or a way to contact enterprise again we're doing they did a meet cute moment when they were helping each other down into the escape pod now they're physically touching and they're in contact with each other and they're bickering you know it's like very tight escape pod and rolling over let me get my hand under your butt 
let's share some fucking beef jerky. Like it's all this, you know, screwball, uh, screwball comedy, meet cute stuff. And that's all fine. That could all work, right? Like this is problem one that we talked about. Like this idea isn't terrible and they're just in the wrong position with it, right? This needed to either be, you needed to, to thread this needle carefully and have two actors with a lot of charisma and chemistry with each other. So you could just sell it. That's one way you can do it. Or you have to have an angle, right? Like there's something going on with this, what where she is gaining some kind of advantage or there's something sinister going on or there's some kind of edge to the proceedings so that you can tell a more complex story. And they just don't do either of those. We go back over to Archer with dummy number two. Reed uh, escorts the guy up to a very large room, which is about half the size of fucking 10 forward, right? Again, yeah, this this big room we've never been in before. What the hell? If it was a cargo bay, I'd buy it. But there's like an exterior window and there's one light on and there's a table and a chair. And it's basically like the part in the crime drama where the detectives bring the guy in and like shine the light in his face. And this is where Archer is going to unload his plan, his big deception, right? Where Which, by is- the way, they have not set up in any way no. a connecting scene with dumbass number two from initial very light questions followed by being put in the airlock to now. There has been zero story with dumbass number two. I don't even want to put the thought into like really try and figure out when's the last time that Archer had to sit there and come up with a plan of how they were going to trick someone. Uh, in the long list of things I don't buy Archer as. Uh, him being a good liar is also pretty high up in there. <laughs> yes. Okay. So uh, bring him up to this room. Let's assume this was someone's bedroom. And if he was willing to back in Marauders pivot an entire fucking colony five feet to the left, <laughs> then I guess you could say, all right, everybody uh, stop what you're doing. Report to room uh, to, 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 I don't know, the fucking gymnasium or whatever. Pull everything out. I need this room empty for dramatic effect. Uh, they bring the guy in. Archer starts with the uh, good cop, bad cop, where he's going to get the the confidence and, and the trust of this guy. Oh, you know, Starfleet's really rough. If you show up late for a shift, you're beaten. And if your uniform's dirty or anything like that, things can get more severe. And uh, this lady who you've already fucking seen, my first officer who was there the first time we interrogated you on the dinner party. Mm hmm. She's going to come in with her robes and we're going to basically try to trick you into believing that you're going to be held in this illegal kangaroo court and murdered for the legit list of uh, uh, crimes. You know, your accessory to kidnapping, damaging Starfleet property, yada, yada, yada. Uh, it's a very unconvincing, silly. Con. It's, it's yeah, it's so absurd it's difficult to parse how it is they came up with it because like you said, Paul's already been in the episode. She's established as the first officer. So subordinate to the captain. So this isn't a deception of an unknown. It's someone they've already, this character literally knows this is a lie. He knows it's a lie from the start. And yet we are supposed to believe he just falls for it anyway, even though he has every reason to believe like this is an absurdly ridiculous 
almost parody-like deception being performed in front of him as if he is being mocked. Like, that's how obvious it is. What I was hoping was when he was brought into this room, uh, the the sympathy play here was going to be, please tell me where these people are, uh, or my own crew is going to beat me to death in front of you, and you're going to show humanity and save me. Really, I just want to get a couple head wounds in on this real quick, and this is a cheap reason for me to uh, authorize or order my crew to to beat me. I, you know? I have a fetish, but it is against the rules for to make my crew uh, indulge in my fetish. Yeah, th- what I we're seeing here. Reason. I need the connecting scene you're talking about that ultimately resulted in this fucking buffoonery, and it needed to open with Archer's like, "What if you came into the room, and we'll go ahead and we'll clear the Ford cargo hold out." And I'm chained down and this guy watches and you come in with like a dominatrix outfit and you beat me senseless and spank me and then cut my dick off. And then to Paul's like, we're not doing that. <laughs> this is sexual harassment. I'm going like, we're not doing that. I'll just pretend I'm a fucking judge. And that we're going to make him think he's in trouble. And then Archer's like, but he already knows you're not. She's like, I'm not kicking you in the balls in front of anybody or in private. <laughs> that, that that needs to be like, that needs to be the secret to Archer's like all the dumb situations he's found himself in. It's all been intentional because yeah, he does. He just, he's a mascus and he likes getting beat up. And that's why they just <laughs> continue to find themselves in these fucking scenes. Nobody on this ship is willing to give him what he wants so he tricks aliens into like <laughs> the entire mission now surrenders his fetish his need and this passive aggressive competition he's having with his own crew members for yeah. not indulging his desires Trash. beat him in the face and neck we cut back over to the fucking escape pod I don't know how long they've been up there uh, convenient hours they don't really address what happens to all the pee and poop while they're no. in this little thing, they no, find it's, it's a place. It's supposed to be a day. They say the day. So well, that's to... what I wanted to see happen. There was like <laughs> them complaining. They really got to go to the bathroom. Uh, I'm led to believe that this fucking escape pod can also serve as a planetary reentry vehicle. And that trip is able to re- again. I'm watching some of this like for all mankind, like mm-hmm. planetary um, reentry. It's a real thing that that's that is not easy. So the super space junker had a very well stocked immaculate interior escape pod, which is also capable of fucking reentry trip who does not read the language at all to the point where he had to call fucking Hoshi and to do his job initially is able to safely land this thing. Yeah, it's perfectly. Dagobah. Yeah, uh, they go through this. I, I, I'm not really good with rom coms, but I'm sure there's Joe versus Volcano. Some. 40 days and four nights. What was that one? Yeah, 40 days and 40 nights. Was that it? No, I I know what you're talking about, though. It is the deserted island couple. Yes. Trope. Des- deserted island couple. Uh, Trip gets real fucking angry with her. Uh, I'm, I look at me. I am the captain now. There's that moment because I don't, I don't even want to fucking talk about it. Yeah, I, we've exhausted really commenting on her performance that because it doesn't change from the start. There's, and she's 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 just the icing on the cake. The bad stuff is is Archer and this entire fucking scenario. It's ridiculous. She's talking or, or running her mouth. Finally, Casey breaks her silence. She's like, this lady is terrible. 
what is going on with this? Is this, <laughs> this real? Is, is yeah? Is this a parody? Is this a fan film? I tell her, yeah, like Joe said, that people think this is one of the worst, and she goes, "Well, I believe it. This is awful." Uh, <laughs> they fuck in the dirt. Oh, hold on! Before before they fuck in the dirt, it what's now bizarre is at this point, this episode realizes that thirty minutes of its forty-four minute runtime is already over, and they have to. Sp- speed run the rest of this episode and they're only halfway through their tropes like this need they need a two-parter to do this this whole meet cute thing right to be fair also right before they get into like the final romancing or was it romancing the stone i don't know they before they even get to that i'm like how long is this fucking episode because i feel like i've been sitting here for a long time and a lot of things have happened and that's the magic of these bad enterprise episodes is that sometimes episodes fly by and mm-hmm. you're like, man, you know, there needed to be more. We'll criticize about like, there's so much more meat. I was on the bone. I wanted this. I wanted that. It should have been a two parter. And then sometimes there's just bad episodes that are, 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 are amazing that they're so bad, but it's over quick. And then there's stuff like this where it's like there's been a hundred different scenes. You've got an A plot, a B plot, maybe even a C plot in there somewhere. And there's still more to go. I, it's it's evil magic. It's black magic. They get in a fist fight, I think. Yeah, I don't know. It, she swings on him. It, the idea that the 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 Enterprise writers, their problem isn't that they're disengaged, but that they have started to practice in the dark arts, the black magic, and they have found a way to bend space and time around their yes. most terrible episodes. Yes. You're absolutely right. It seems impossible that it this is the stagflation of of Star Trek right here. And it it's 30 minutes. It feels like three hours. That's both too much and not enough. And now you've got to speed run the plot. You've got to do them getting attracted to each other, making out, fucking, having a conflict at the end of the episode, having them get rescued, have them do, you know, a last lingering look end. And it's you have 13 minutes. So you do it all very fast. The entire time Colin Trenier is out here trying to act against a fucking piece of wood. <laughs> he's like he's getting beat up by a bad guy who is literally laughing in his face. But then like Space Lady comes up from behind like She-Hulk and one hits the guy and knocks him out with a branch. <laughs> Again, power of space pipes. A space it's pipe true. can be a pipe. It can be a that, branch. It can be a claw the, hammer. It's the rewrite. She realized the power of the space pipe while she was getting all her guys got rolled. She realized there was power in the form of the pipe and she's crafted her own pipe to save Trip at the end. Again, the ridiculousness, right? Trip is in a fist fight. He gets, hits this guy in the face like three or four times. Yeah, squares this, up Queensberry rules. Boop, 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 boop. This lady cracks this guy once and KOs him. He clearly has like some sort of fucking damage reduction. So that's how strong it is that at, despite like Mike Tyson punch out win combo, right? Everything short of a dragon punch, Trip unloads on this guy. She one hits him. Flashback to like when she hits Trip with the fucking claw hammer and does not decapitate him or somehow like crack his fucking skull open. The, the whole thing's just ridiculous. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Took me out of the episode. Took me Trip, out of the episode, Peter. Trip also has sex with this lady, but then yes. he puts a stupid t-shirt and his underwear back on. Like he's not just sh- topless for whatever fucking reason. They do get him topless during the episode. They get him topless. They also show that like he does not have this blue shirt on. It does not exist. She goes to treat his mom, his wound like when they try to like mend their relationship. He pulls his jumpsuit down. He's got the black button up shirt underneath it. 
he throws that into the fucking woods. <laughs> the the blue matching I've criticized these before like his underwear matches his t-shirt this thing doesn't exist there's there's even fucking not that anybody would ever dare look at this thing close enough to see if there's a wardrobe inconsistencies but like <laughs> this the thing magically throws ma- off his shirt after just like disrobing if, even though he's supposed to be a character on a on a planet he has no resources of like i still have to dramatically throw my shirt into the swamp because i have taken off my shirt and i am now a glorious adonis on screen they get her back they find him there's never really a resolution into how they track down the ship whatever i don't even fucking care they get around they well, give they her a intimidated new fucking the unit. guy jabroni i don't, I don't like- want to fucking talk about him really. <laughs> her people come i did think it was cool that her ship which looks pretty neat is docked with uh, enterprise at an awkward a- angle because their access hatch is like on the, on top. the top. Yeah. W- whatever. There's a fucking, uh, uh, an eyelash worth of good on this pile of shit. Uh, off they go. You'll see me again. Uh, uh, yuck. I, I got some good <laughs> news for you though, Joe. Okay. What's the good news? Uh, having fully talked about this and really realizing the, problems past this lady that the script levies on Archer and other plot inconsistencies. I'm officially graduating this from bad to trash. (laughs) Oh, it finally got into the bottom rung. You were convinced by yourself, sir. It's easy to look at her and say, Hey, you know, she ruined this thing, but this is just a fucking awful script and she's easy to blame as like the main culprit. But there's much deeper seated issue. It was, it is impossible for this episode to have been anything other than fucking miserable. It's why I believe I, I think this is the bottom. I think of everything we've watched so far. And maybe when we go do DS nine and TNG, we'll be, you know, convinced into changing our minds by reacquainting ourselves with something dark uh, and terrible. <laughs> but I think this is the bottom, bro. I don't think I don't think it gets worse than this. I don't believe that. I think I I'll look at my lists. I'm sure there's something. I would watch Virtuoso before I would watch this. Oh, (laughs) man. I would watch Virtuoso before I watch this. No, I get to watch Robert Picardo. It's just better. Robert Picardo fucking commits seppuku uh, on screen, though. Uh, Listen, all right. We got to get out of it. <laughs> we got to get out of this. We're going to be going into season poo episode 12, the catwalk. Uh, there's a real fetching picture of uh, Archer looking confused at T'Pol. When a deadly neutrogenic storm threatens the ship, the crew must take refuge for eight days inside the maintenance shafts of the warp nacelle. So what? It's going to be more cramped quarters, hot and sweaty, peeling off our clothes because we're hot. It's... <laughs> It's like they can't escape. It's like a hell that they've made for all of us. <laughs> and we can't oh, escape. Oh, and here we go, too. Because this, here's interesting. Uh, this is going to be the 666th of <laughs> 865 episodes released in all. Ooh. I do feel cursed by the devil right now. <laughs> Th- thanks for listening to feature please um 
I'm not sure exactly how much of this episode is going to make it in. <laughs> but by God, all of it will get to you. <laughs>